When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to When in Romance, your place to get all the stuff about romance novels um, and maybe a few movies here and there, but usually related to novels in some way. I am Jessica and Trisha is with me. And hi, everybody. We are going to talk about some stuff today. Um, yeah. We have like a lot of stuff today, actually. We do. Um, but we're going to try to keep it keep it close to condensed this time (laughs) you are i mean we'll see see. i'm the timekeeper so we'll see what happens excellent (laughs) excellent everyone blame trisha yep feel free i have five siblings i get blamed for a lot of things awesome yep Mm -hmm. um i think before we dig in we are we're doing our first ad spot is that right jess we are indeed All right, so that is me. So our first ad spot today is Penguin Random House Audio. Um, We talked last week on the show, or two weeks ago, I guess, about how much we love audiobooks. We get to talk about it again, which is wonderful. Uh, Love is in the air. It's February still. Uh, Love is in the air. When you play an audiobook, you can find your perfect match for your next book club. You know what? If you didn't get to celebrate Valentine's Day on the 13th of February, celebrate it now. Celebrate it every day. Every you day. You do you. Yeah, right? Every week, weekly, monthly, whatever you want to do. <laughs> uh, you can find some great listening suggestions. You can get started at penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash book club. There are a variety of really fantastic book options there. I was doing a little perusing myself before we started uh, the Um, podcast here today. And I noticed actually that there's one um, by Sophie Kinsella called Surprise Me, which is actually about a married couple, Sylvie and Dan, who have a comfortable home, fulfilling jobs, and beautiful twin girls. They decide to bring surprises into their marriage to spice things up. Apparently someone tells them, uh, I guess casually mentions to them that they could be together for another 68 years, and they start to freak out a little bit, (laughs) which I thought was, as a single human, I thought that was actually really funny. But um, I, I regularly actually have friends who ask me, um, who are married or coupled or whatever, who are looking for books of a romantic nature to read that involve married couples. Mm-hmm. And so this one just really struck out or it stuck out to me because I thought, you know, this might actually be a really good fit um, if you are a person who is in a relationship or, I mean, I don't know, I'm single. I still think I might be pretty excited about it. So I'm going to probably take a look. Um, but at any rate, Whatever you might find yourself doing, whether it is walking to work like I do or, you know, sitting and read or coloring, reading separately. I don't know. Whatever you do while you listen to audiobooks, <laughs> maybe check out Penguin Random House Audio. Uh, the link will be in the show notes. Um, but one way or another, there are nine or eight other listens. So Surprise Me by Sophie Kinsella plus eight others that you can get very excited about. You will find a good fit for you there. And uh, yeah. Go find yourself an audiobook, 
again, you know, if you can find an excuse to, to celebrate more Galentine's Day, I say do it. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So thanks to them for sponsoring the show. Yes. Thank you, Penguin Random House Audio. It's a lot. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it's... I have only recently started to get into audiobooks. I'm pretty excited about the collection here, mm -hmm. to be honest. Yes, definitely. So go find that. And then um, I think, if I am not mistaken, uh, our next piece of, of discussion that we were going to cover was an oversight that I um, had mentioned that I wanted to correct from the last show. Mm -hmm. Is that also right, Jess? That is right. That's what, you want, what, we want, what, yeah, what we're going to talk about first. That's where we're going. Yeah, that's where we're going next. Um, so I was listening to our last podcast, which, by the way, if you would like to have a humbling human experience, you should definitely be on a podcast and then listen back to it after you have been on that podcast. It is a challenge, um, but it's a good learning experience. And one of the things that I realized is that one of the um, topics that we talked about two weeks ago was what fantastic, extraordinary work um, African-American uh, authors are doing in um, romance. And if you haven't heard that conversation and heard us shout out some of the really, really talented authors out there, you should go back and listen, not because of us, but because of those books and those titles. Definitely. But... I did realize that one thing that we didn't necessarily make a distinction of that um, uh, maybe would have been helpful for folks who are a little bit newer to the romance genre is that as much wonderful work as being is being done by women of color um, who are writing romance, they still have a really, they're definitely underrepresented by publishers and in the publishing community. Yes, they so, are. So, yeah, I mean, I think... You know, um, we mentioned B and Leah uh, Koch uh, of the Rift Bodice a couple of weeks ago, and they uh, did a report last year um, about um, diversity in publishing and inclusion in publishing. And, and we'll link to that partly because it's a, a fantastic report, but also partly because we there's a good chance we'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks. I think their next report is due to come out March 1st. So mm -hmm. we'll probably be talking about that. But just in general, I think more than one thing can be true. And I think in this case, the two things that are true are there is exceptionally good work being done by um, black authors of romance and women of color generally who are writing romance. The other thing that can be true is that they are doing that work despite the fact that it is more difficult uh, for them to get publishing deals. And I think if you are new to the romance world or not as tuned into the romance world, you may not have known that. So... Uh, that's, I think, an important piece of context to have for that conversation, and I wanted to make sure that we mentioned it because, you know, I noticed that I had meant to last week and we didn't. So yeah, yeah, that's a, definitely a good thing to point out. Thank you, Trisha. Especially thinking about the authors that either currently like still self-publish or sort of got their their firm ground in self-publishing and have only recently gotten deals with um, large publishers um, or medium large publishers like Kensington um, and then moving on to places like Avon. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. And I do, I mean, m my hope is that there's progress being made. It'll be interesting to talk more and, and read more about the um, next report from the Rip Bodice. Um, but regardless, I, I do think that it's even more impressive that the work that um, these authors are doing is being done, uh, given the context in which they're doing it. So, mm -hmm. Absolutely. So extra hats off. 
tip tat to you all. Um, awesome, awesome work that's being done. So with that correction done, let's move on to something a little less fun. Um, yeah. If you're if you hang out in uh, Twitter romance land, you might have seen that recently we've been talking a little bit about um, redemption. Let's use redemption. Um, this came in part from a discussion of a book that had just come out. And before we go any further with that, um, let's include our first content warning. Um, if there are any of you listeners out there who would feel particularly affected by listening to us talk about, um, let's see where we start. I think, well, I mean, I think it's so we're we're gonna have a conversation about um, broadly irredeemable heroes, and I think a part of that is uh, it definitely involves violence. Ours is gonna involve war crime. If if any of those things make you feel like this is not a safe part of the podcast to listen to, we will tell you uh, in the show notes where you can skip ahead to to skip this part of the conversation. I promise our later part of the conversation is much more fun. So much more fun. But if you if you feel that this is something that you want to hear some commentary on, want to provide your own on after uh, the podcast is released and you'd like to share with us your thoughts, um, listen on um, and stay with us. So the the initial thing that started this newest conversation, because we've been having this conversation for years, decades, probably. Um, well, not Trisha and I in particular, but, <laughs> but romance as, as a whole has been sort of been asking this question. Um, who deserves to be a hero and who can be redeemed in romance? Not like in general life. Like there are definitely people that, you know, might have done something in the past as a human being and comes to a family member or a lover or a friend apologetic and those people can decide to bring them into the fold or bring them back into the fold. But when we're reading romance which is a safe space for a lot of us. Um, who do who do we allow to be redeemed? And this can open all kinds of cans of worms, right? Um, but this particular question came about thanks to a review of a book that I have not read, um, just to put that disclaimer out immediately, in which the hero is Stasi, and was once a Nazi. And using that term as the deliberate like person who wore a swastika and a brown uniform, not just like who we refer to as a Nazi in, in any general term nowadays. Um, and so this discussion sparked a few other discussions um, but in general, like when someone has committed crimes in the past and they acknowledge those and are sorry for them and want to do better, are they still a redeemable hero 
if they don't acknowledge those things and still want to be a hero, can they be a hero? Who, like, where do we, like, start making the tiers of who, what redemption is? Because I'll tell you, at some point in the recent past, well, in the last decade, I can't remember when, I picked up, like, some SS erotica in alternate history where, like, the Nazis won and there was some kind of gate crossing and somebody had to do something. And I felt kind of gross, um, even, like, considering it. But some I think someone had recommended it to me. So I was like, you know, I'll give it a try. And, you know, it wasn't badly written, but it was still like, oh, my gosh, this is happening. Um but that was very much a dark, erotic, hardly romance. Like there was a potential for the two people to see each other again, but they didn't run off into the sunset and escape through the Alps, you know? Um, so in a situation like that, and we've, I mean, there have been some, um, what do you call it, mainstream fiction in which there's been a few Nazis recently too, like legitimate Nazis. Um, and uh, you know, we, we hear the same kind of thing that we've been hearing for the past 60, 70 years, which is, you know, they're following orders. They're really just good people. But as readers of the like purest form of love story do like, can can we allow ourselves to not believe that that they can be our heroes? Well, I think too, just there's also a question of why even engage in that philosophical or psychological or literary experiment, right? I mean, you know, um, I think. So for what it's worth, I, we're not going to link to it, I don't think, because there's not really any reason to. The book that we're talking about specifically is one called Midnight Hunter. Mm. Feel free to avoid that. Um, and I will actually also call out by name, partly because I do think that you have a responsibility if you are uh, reviewing, and you may have said it, I don't know. But USA Today's happily, Happy Ever After um, column is who did the review of this. And I do think that there is a responsibility on behalf of those of us in the book reviewing and reporting on world to know what we're doing and what we're talking about. And, um, you know, they, they actually have taken down the review. They started with a note first that said, you know, we're aware of the controversy. Um, they kind of made the distinction that said, uh, I actually screenshot it before they took it down that said, um, we can certainly see that there are overtones in that the hero is a Stasi soldier, but he is not literally a Nazi. And the, story does not take place before or during World War II, so it didn't raise, raise, you know, raise red flags for us. We hope that this note serves as a trigger warning, and we sincerely apologize. It's not our practice to remove content from the blog once it's posted, but apparently the, you know, the blowback got to be such that they did, mm-hmm. um, which I think was the right choice. And I do think, again, I'm not necessarily calling them out to say everything that USA Today does is terrible forever. I'm just saying... I think that there's a responsibility there. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think there's partly, again, there's this question of why. I mean, the, you know, um, the Rip Bodice, which we mentioned earlier, tweeted out, you know, we need to ask what we are 
asking romance readers to forgive in their heroes, mm-hmm. um, which they may not have been the first folks to ask that question. And I may not have been the first person, I'm sure I wasn't the first person to ask my response question in that, which is, and why? Why are we asking people to forgive this kind of behavior when there are so many other kinds of people and things and stories that you can write about. Right. And, you know, like, even even beyond the, the Nazi idea, like, Trisha and I were talking um, offline about um, sort of like, I was sort of joking about where do you make, where are the tiers? You know, like there's a Watt Nazi and then there's a warlord and then there's a drug lords and then there's the murderers and then there's the abusers and then there's the asshole misogynist billionaire. And then there's the ass, asshole misogynist who doesn't have money. And then there's just the misogynist and then there's just the asshole. Um, but like where, uh, oh, and then we inserted motorcycle gangs because like I, I've, I watched like the entirety of Sons of Anarchy, so I can never see a motorcycle gang member as a hero unless he's like taking down the gang. That's just one of those things that is just like mentally, I am mentally incapable of putting myself into the story for something like that. And, you know, it's just. Yeah. And what is that taxonomy, right? Because. Um, part of the reason that motorcycle uh, clubs came up is that I actually asked Jess, I was like, where do they fall in? Because I have watched none of Sons of Anarchy, (laughs) and I know literally nothing about um, motorcycle clubs. And so I have read a variety of those books. And, you know, some of them I find, so I, this is, I don't know, maybe a little tangential, probably related, to be honest. I hate the term guilty pleasure mm. because I think people oftentimes refer to it as just any thing that makes them happy that is not culturally respected or thought of as, you know, great, right? right? So right. romance in particular is a thing that people think of as guilty pleasure. The only time that I think of guilty pleasure as being a real thing mm-hmm. is if I am consuming any kind of entertainment or art or whatever that might actually be harmful to some population of people, right? Mm -hmm. So if I am reading something that I start to wonder, is this maybe misogynistic? Is there something in this that makes me a little bit uncomfortable in terms of how some, it tends to be um, women, like how women are being treated Mm -hmm. or how something is going on. Um, And so there have been a couple of times when I've read a variety of books, but, you know, there have been a couple of um, those motorcycle club books that have been in that where I start to think, you know what, I think maybe this is actually not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, you know, some appeal for some people in how, in in that story of redemption, right? In right. that story of someone can be all the way sort of down a spectrum and still turn a corner and come back around. Yeah. And I don't know... And, you know, it's probably not for us to figure out here today on this podcast in 20 minutes <laughs> what necessarily that, that limit is. But I do think it's a question that romance readers should think about and ask themselves, not necessarily why you're interested in that kind of a storyline. I mean, I think it's interesting. It adds conflict. It adds a lot of really interesting pieces. However, there are places where it goes too far. There's an awful lot of daylight between, like, this guy's a little bit of a jerk who comes around. And like you were saying, like, 
war criminal. Yeah. There's a lot of space in there for somebody to do some really good creative writing. Yeah. And like like you said, with the whole, like, somebody might um, actually feel pain in, in reading this. I was actually reading a really good article that you all should check out that I will make sure Trisha includes in the show notes uh, called How to Like Bad Things. It's actually um, a post on author K.J. Charles's blog. Um, and she wrote it a couple of years ago, but she recently resurfaced it while we were talking about this. Um, and she says, um, when I say bad things, I'm not talking about guilty pleasures like schlocky airport novels and Jason Statham movies. I mean, liking things that other people can point to and say, this hurts me. Um, and it's it's a really good like way to sort of look at what you read like i was reading this and totally thinking about um uh my sort of random diving into um books in which the heroine has rape fantasies and mm-hmm. i you know i can make the divide between like i have rape fantasies and the heroine has rape fantasies and we're looking at how she is dealing with her trauma. Um, not that everyone who has rape fantasies is getting over some kind of trauma. Um, but in the books that I have seen, that's usually what's happening. Um, and I know that that is definitely not a kind of book that's for everyone. Um, but some kind of way, like people find their way to these things. And then there's this whole, like, I have to like defend the fact that I like this book kind of thing. So this article is a really good sort of breakdown of looking at why yourself as a reader, as opposed to looking at the external thing that you're reading and why it's bad versus why you're interested in it. Um, And, um, but also acknowledging why it's hurtful or why it's bad or, like the actual context of the thing that you're reading. Um, And I think there were a lot of points uh, brought up as well on Twitter and, you know, just in the general conversation over the last week Mm -hmm. about the fact that uh, these, these heroes who are supposedly irredeemable and then magically somehow get redeemed by their usually female uh, counterpart. True love. Yeah, exactly. Tend to be white men, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There are so many um, contingents of population who can't catch a break. But these guys can be literal Nazis. Or I guess, uh, according to Happily Ever After blog, not literally Nazis, although... Just, you know, know you the post-war research, version kind of, of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but again, like, and that guy gets a second chance. Meanwhile, there are characters out there who are either women or people of color or who are queer or, you know, any other, you know, version of this person would, it, it, it wouldn't fly. So, I mean, I think, we, I don't know, we, I think questioning why you are engaging in whatever you are reading um, is always a really interesting, good thought experiment, no matter, you know, whether it's um, romance or graphic novels or literary fiction or mystery, and just kind of thinking about what you're reading and why you're reading it Mm -hmm. and what you're getting from it. And, uh, you know, most of the time, the answers might just be general enjoyment. And, um, 
but I think I think pursuing those questions, no matter what you're reading, is is a really healthy, interesting exercise as you're thinking about your reading life. And if we if we as readers say say that this person can deserve resumption in our eyes, then I mean, we we can acknowledge why we think that. Yeah, I think that's right too. I think yeah, um, owning um, where you're coming from, and you know maybe some billionaire uh businessman um vineyard owners do come around Jess maybe that's a real thing maybe it maybe it can happen maybe it can we'll see and maybe the occasional um if maybe maybe I should just never watch Sons of Anarchy and for, find out anything that is actually uh well I was gonna say true but I guess fictionally true fictionally about the true. world of world of motorcycle clubs uh and in the meantime and honestly you know they you know they paint a pretty bad light. And, you know, if you want to think that all motorcycle clubs are like those guys who escort bullied kids to school and like make sure that they get to class okay, then you do that and keep that as your image of motorcycle clubs for the rest of your life because those guys are pretty awesome and they live in real life. So, see? So yeah, so there's there's a lot of nuance in the world, uh, folks. So you know, keep your eye out for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, I yeah, I promise our our next um, topic is is far more fun. So, um, but before we get to that, maybe we should do uh, some more some more sponsoring, huh? We should, we should. Um, so let's talk about love being in the air again because it's still February, so it's the month of love. We've expanded from the day of love to the month of love, and you know we're cool with that. Um, yeah, it's it, cold. Why not, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's cold in Arizona too, guys. I'm telling you, uh, is it really? Because it was actually it was like 80 degrees in DC this week, and I kind of lost my mind, but in a bad way. Like I was a little bit very annoyed about how warm it was it was in the 50s and 60s in tucson i live in the (gasps) desert y'all and it was cold well that's not cold well cold at night but get what i'm saying it was in the 70s in the mid-atlantic and it was in the 50s in the desert in february so the world right um i don't know find me some audiobooks to distract me from this jess i don't know i'm very stressed out about it all right so let's talk again about penguin random house audio um, and their book club. They publish over a thousand audiobooks a year. Did you guys know that? Um, and they want to help with book club reading. So you can have a month of love book club uh, at penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash book club. Um, and if you don't follow them on social media, you can check them out on Twitter at uh, PRH Audio and see what they've got to say over on that side. Um, they also appear to be uh, having some kind of uh, giveaway. And uh, um, there are 10 winners that can each receive a pack, including CDs of some audiobooks. Uh, by authors including Jojo Moyes, Sophie Kinsella, and Tammy Howick. So that's cool. Yeah, I think more information about that might be on our site. Um, but we were talking before we started about uh, how Stellar got her groove back. Oh my gosh. Which is on the list. So um, 
yeah, I we were talking about how, uh, well, I was saying that when that movie first came, when the book first came out, I was probably not ready for it because I was 13. Uh, but now, at the uh, ripe old age of 35, I might actually be ready for how uh, Stella got her groove back. It might be time. Yeah, I mean, we all deserve Tay Diggs, right? Well, sure, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could listen to the book, then watch the movie. I don't know. I that I mean, boy, that I cannot. I was trying to think of a... There are not that many books of the sort of, um, like, contemporary fiction, like, focused on women that are as classic and iconic as how Stella got her groove back. It, I don't know. It's super true. And speaking of the whole idea of um, Black women in particular working really hard, the ones that I can think of, partly because, you know, they're part of my youth, were movies adapted uh books written and then adapted into film uh by terry mcmillan yeah no it's true yeah waiting to exhale mm-hmm. um hostella got her groove back yeah no I, there's definitely she's done some uh she had one that came out relatively oh i almost forgot about you mm-hmm. came out in 2016 um which i don't think has been adapted for a movie yet but it probably should be it probably should be looking- boy if everybody in hollywood would just listen to us yeah, I mean, listen to us, Hollywood. We've got good ideas for um, breaking that bank. So many good ideas. So many good ideas. So many good ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of good ideas, um, should we talk a little bit about uh, some good ideas we have about awards? Oh, yeah, let's do that. Oh, boy. I don't even know where to start. Do you want to start? Well, let's start with the actual awards that, that we uh, we sparked this conversation from. Uh, the RT Book Reviews Book Awards um, were announced relatively recently. We've sort of been skipping over them to talk about other things. Um, but the nominees were announced um, several weeks ago, and they... The winners will be announced um, in May at the RT convention, which Trisha and I are both really excited about going to. Yes, we're going to be there. We're going to talk more about it, but we're definitely going to be there. We're excited to see everybody there. Yes. Um, And the Reviewer's Choice Best Book Awards are an interesting bunch of categories um, with romance and um, other other genres um and we were we were just sort of trying to figure out how how and who really are those are those questions there are several categories there are a few subheadings um with three or four categories in each and they have interesting names like urban fantasy world building um but not just regular fantasy world building uh, and, you know, some of the categories have a um, digital category, but they don't, but others don't. And it's just, it's an interesting combination of, of categories and also a whole lot of books that I have not gotten to yet. Oh my gosh, Trisha. Well, and frankly, like a whole lot of books I haven't heard of. <laughs> that's but true. That's, that's fine. True. There's a lot of romance. Like that's the way it goes. I I get that. But like I... 
so I actually like I sent um, Jess a note like the day I was looking at these categories. I was like, these are bananas. I don't even know <laughs> where to start with this. And I realized that this is not super urgent. And I'm sorry to like interrupt your day, but I have to tell you this. Like, what is even happening? All right, so we have to talk about this. So uh, there is in romantic suspense. There's romantic suspense paranormal romantic suspense and then there's a special category for military slash law enforcement romantic suspense right so like if you have like a romantic suspense book that features someone who is military and law enforcement there's a special category for that which is you know what great like you do you lean in rt i don't care not to mention Uh, they have a separate mystery suspense and thriller section that has five categories in it that are not romance related well, that's the thing, right? There's like a Jack Reacher book in the thriller section, which is like, I think half of the nominees in the thriller section are dudes, which fine, again, whatever, <laughs> you do you, RT. But like, is Lee Child going to come and accept his award at RT if he wins this? Maybe. Never like, is know. that, I mean, you don't ever know. I have a guess. I have a guess. <laughs> and then, like, you briefly mentioned the sci-fi fantasy category. So there's a sci-fi novel, and then there's fantasy novel, epic fantasy novel, and fantasy adventure. Mm-hmm. How do you decide which, like, what is the difference between a fantasy novel and a fantasy adventure? Or, like, how do you decide if your fantasy novel is epic and should be entered in the epic fantasy novel category? You just take 15 books and, you know, check five off for each section. I mean, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, and if you, like, if you're writing your first book, you better hope it's a historical book because there's a first historical romance book. But I think that's the only book that has, like, a first cat. Like, if you write yeah. a first re- contemporary book, you're out of luck. Yeah. There's no award for that. Yep. yep. Good luck. Uh, maybe if you go out. indie digital. You know, you might have a better chance. but You have a better chance, but it's not guaranteed. But also, Indie Digital is like where the high rollers live right now. So it's... Well, I also think there's a difference between like Indie and Digital. Like, That's true, too. Lumping. I mean, I'm clicking through now into the Indie Digital, like the one that the category probably that I know best is Contemporary Romance. So I'm clicking through to Indie. So like, I mean... These are very different books. I, I mean, so Brenda Jackson is in this category, which, awesome. Brenda Jackson's great. Mm-hmm. But, like, she's legendary. She's written, if not 100 books, close to 100 books. Mm-hmm. So she's not, like, a just starting out. No. And she definitely has some print books, but I guess this one, I think- A Very Merry Romance, is it indie or digital? It's not necessarily both. Yep, and it could just be something that her publishers decided to release digital only as a nice little gotcha between her 12 books a year. Like, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I, I think I used the comparison when I sent you a note. It's like in Calvin and Hobbes, when they used to play the game Calvin Ball, mm-hmm. where they just, like, made up all the rules uh-huh. as they went along. This feels kind of like that. It's like somebody new comes in and they're like, oh, I don't know you know, hey, Jess, what do you think should be a category? And you were like, I don't know, what if we did a Bridget or a British Isles set romance category? And they're like, great, that's a category Boom. now. Taken. Here it is. Done. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> so I don't know. If, if you are looking for a good time, check out the categories of uh, the RT um, the RT uh, awards. because and, and to be fair, there are a lot of really good books nominated. Mm-hmm. But 
also true, the categories are a, a little uh, bananas. Yeah. So. I mean, we appreciate RT for uh, giving us a second award f- that is mostly centered around romance of per year because, you know, the, the Ritas are the big ones at RWA, um, but these are no less awesome. And we look forward to the ceremony so we can cheer for the winners. Um, but still, who who's designing these categories? <laughs> yeah, what is happening here? So, yeah, but uh, yeah, but we did decide um, that you know, since RT was kind of uh, seemed to be just doing whatever they wanted, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Again, like if you're RT, you get to do what you want. We would also just do what we wanted um, because our podcast started in January, which meant it was a little bit late for us to pick some of our favorite books of 2017. Mm-hmm. So we just decided we will just make up our own awards and uh, just give them away today here on the podcast. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Do you want to start, Jess? I mean, I don't know. I, but like I said, we just kind of made some stuff up. So I feel like there's no rules. Yeah. There's no points. There's no rules. There's no trophy. We're just we're just rolling with it. And I'll tell you, I was both a little sleepy and a little like Olympic high when I came up with some of these. So yes. the first one is actually going to be called, and we've got to we've got to make sure this is an annual award, uh, the Virtue Moyer Ship Award. And it is going oh. to an uh, a sports romance in which the two people, they've got to be together. And that goes to, because dance is definitely a sport, Take the Lead. Nice. Take the Lead like by Alexis Daria. If you haven't read it yet, just, I mean, turn this off, come back later and go read it now. Do you want to give folks like a, a one or two sentence description of it? Because I I saw, despite the many, many, many times you have talked about how great this book is, I own it and I still haven't read it. Trisha! I know, I know. So, I know I'm the worst. So Take the Lead is the uh, first book in the Dance Off series. Um, and if if that sounds funny to you the second book is called Dance With Me. So there's, there's a trend there if you are familiar with... Um, awesome dance movies of the past um we're hoping that that trend will continue but take the lead takes place in the universe of a um dancing with the stars style reality show in which there is a professional dancer and a um celebrity partner and in this case um, our professional dancer gets partnered with a beautiful mountain of a man named Stone. How great is that? That's um, amazing. <laughs> who's who's famous for being in a reality show um, where he, he and his family live off the grid and off the land and all of that stuff. And the two of them. Oh, okay. Now I understand why his name is Stone. Yeah. That makes that adds up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's so darling and it's so well written and so great. And I love it. Um, and since I've been watching so much ice dancing, all I can think about is the movement and and also, Alexis Daria really writes dance amazingly well. You're you like you can see it when you're reading it. So it, I figured that was a great name for the award that I decided to give that book. 
Well, that is perfect. <laughs> I this may I'm, this may be the inspiration I need. It may be the push I need. I'm I'm far more sold on this than I am on the ferret book you tried to sell me two weeks ago. <laughs> okay, I I will accept that. I will accept that. <laughs> Um, and yours is more creative than my first one because my first one is uh, it's a little bit uh, more simple. But I, when I was reading um, this book last year, I was reading the first couple of chapters and thinking to myself, this is my favorite meat cute that I have read uh. in at least a year, maybe more than that. And so my favorite meat cute award, because again, we're just making up the awards and we don't care, <laughs> um, goes to Madly by Ruthie Knox. Mm. Um, so I reread the first uh couple of chapters of this book um, this afternoon. And I was, again, very, very charmed by the fact that... Uh, so it's two characters. So there's this... The, the heroine um, is in, like, a trench coat and fedora. <laughs> and she is trying to spy in this bar on her mother. And you don't know the circumstances of why. And she thinks she's, like, crushing it. She thinks, like, nobody can tell and no one can see her. And, like, a wet businessman comes into the bar. <laughs> and she, like, needs him to, like, block her because her mom's about to go to the bathroom and, like, totally cross her, like, her path. <laughs> and um, they have this exchange, and I actually highlighted it because I think it's so great. And she says to him, listen, I know this is going to sound kind of crazy, but if you can just kind of bear with me, I think you'll eventually decide it's the good kind of crazy. <laughs> and she says to her, there's a good kind of crazy? And she says, if there's not, people have been lying to me all of my life. <laughs> um and I was like, this is great. Because then you eventually, the second chapter is from his point of view. And he, like, reveals that she is actually the worst spy ever. Oh, that's like, so great. He's like, she stands out like a sore thumb in this bar. Um, so anyway, the book is called Madly. If you're going to read it, if you're excited about it, uh, which you should be because it's great, um, I would I would tell you to consider reading uh, a book called About Last Night that I actually mentioned on our preview episode before. Mm -hmm. Because About Last Night is has related characters and this is a thing that um, Ruthie Knox does really well. And another time on the podcast, we should talk about, there are a few other authors that do this really well. The hero in Madly, which is the book I was just talking about, is actually sort of like a villain in About Last Night um, and gets to kind of come back around. And so they're intertwined. So About Last Night is uh, was written, I don't know, four or five years ago. And then there's a, a book called Truly. And then Madly is the second in this sort of trilogy. And then um, Completely is the third. But... Anyway, if you have questions about that, let me know. I can answer them for you. But uh, at the end of the day, the best uh, meet cue that I have read in many years is in Madly by Ruthie Knox. And here's where I say that I haven't read that one. So that might be my push. Um, See? And I feel like I read about last night a really long time ago, like when I first got a Kindle app and decided to read it. So I might need to read it again. Like I've, yeah. I don't do a lot of rereading, but I like, I remember like seeing the cover of that book and maybe mm -hmm. reading it, but you know, it, there have been hundreds of books since then. So this might be my, my year to revisit Ruthie Knox. I mean, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, Jess, but it would probably be a better 2018 if you do. Okay. I'll take that. I will yeah. take that. All right. What other awards do you have? Um, well, like I said, I was kind of sleepy. So I also have a um, This Was Everything award. Oh. Because basically this book was everything. And it's not going to be any surprise to you that this book is Hamilton's Battalion. Nice. Um. If you are unfamiliar with Hamilton's Battalion, it is actually a collection of three novellas. 
Um, the first by Rose Lerner, the second by Courtney Milan, and the third by Alyssa Cole, who, as you know, if you read kissing books, is Bay, like total Bay. Um, and the three novels take place in some form of Alexander Hamilton's universe because this has been the the few years where we've needed to just do everything involving Hamilton. Um, and the three authors take really awesome approaches to it. Um, and I'm going to say The Pursuit Of, which is the second book, actually takes a slight lead over the other two for me, just as a story and as a book and and, and the author's note at the end. Um, but they are all fantastic, just absolutely fantastic. And together with the three novels and the three author notes and the cover and all of the stuff that goes with it, it's just everything. Wow. Well, if it's everything then I assume everybody should go get every copy. Every copy. Of Hamilton's Battalion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so my, uh, my other one, my next one is um, my favorite book I read by an author who was new to me but might not be new to you, but I don't care because it doesn't matter because I made up this award. <laughs> um, and that was actually a book that I can't remember if it was you or Amanda um, that recommended this one to me, but it was Thaw by um, Elise Springer. Uh, who I'll claim that. that yeah, do it. Do it. Um, and it's about uh, Abby and uh, Gabrielle, who are... Uh, Abby is a librarian, and Gabrielle is this very, like, sophisticated uh, model or actress or both. I think she wants to be an actress, but her agent wants her to be a model, and there's, like, some baggage there. It's, like, a whole thing. Um, but it's the book is great, and there's sort of all of the usual kinds of conflict and, and beats that you see in a romance, but there's this added element in that um, Abby is asexual, mm-hmm. and it's... The thing that I kind of love about uh, the way that um, Elise Springer writes this book is that that is just one aspect of her character and one potential hurdle for the relationship. And Mm -hmm. I'm so um, blown away by what a great job certain authors do of taking a characteristic that is not commonly written about in romance and not making it the center of a character, Mm -hmm. right? Like not using it to kind of other them. Right. Um, And she just does such a great job of it. It's, it's a, you know, obviously it's a part of the story, but it's not, I mean, Abby is very confident in who she is. She's going about um, getting what she wants and, and she stumbles in some ways as does Gabrielle, but they're both working through challenges in the way that people do in the best romance. And so Mm -hmm. um, I was just sort of like blown away by what a multi-dimensional, multi-dimensional, now who's tired, (laughs) multi-dimensional and well-constructed story that was. And so that is um, my award for uh, my favorite book by an author that I read who is new to me but might not be to you, but I don't care because I got to invent the award. Yay! So... (laughs) As official uh, one in Romance Timekeeper, I feel like we could each do one more, but then anything else we probably just have to put up on the site. Okay, I can do that. Um, my my one more is going to be my favorite, I hope the supporting character gets their own book book. Oh, I totally want to know what this is. And that is definitely Alexandra from The Duchess Deal. Oh, Good one. And because reading The Dutch Steel was the great a great experience. Like it was one of my five star books of last year. It was hilarious. It was sweet. Um 
it, you know, you wanted to punch people in the face, but you also wanted to wanted them to succeed. Um, and every scene that um, she was in, I was like, oh, man, I need more of her. And then there was one pivotal scene and I was like, I hope this is saying what the that the next book is going to be this. And so I read it. So I know what you're talking about. But do you want to give folks a, a quick sense for what her relationship is to the main characters? I can. So the the Duchess deal. Uh, starts out with a seamstress in a wedding dress demanding payment um, from a duke for a dress that was never worn because the duke's intended uh, decided not to get married. Um, So instead of offering to pay her, he says, marry me, I need a wife. So that's what the actual duchess deal is. Um, And when Emma moves into the home... Uh, she's kind of alone and she makes friends with um, some ladies across the square who are just the greatest. They're a collection of quirks and brains and awesomeness that you will probably meet if you decide to read this series. Um, and, and you should. And you should. It's great. It's, yeah. it's pretty great. Um, so, and one of, one of those people is going to be the heroine of the governess game, uh, which is the next book in the girl meets Duke series. Um, and her name is Alexandra Mountbatten and she is just adorable and there's a scene in the Duchess deal involving books and a bookshop <laughs> and it's perfect. Yeah. I know that exact scene. And I kind of feel like we went just in the like two minutes of you talking about that for you wishing for it to you have found finding on the internet that it is about to come true. Mm-hmm. So it's happening. So, so well done. Yeah. Our, our awards are so powerful, Jess. I know, right? We should do this every year. <laughs> We should do this every couple of weeks, every co- I think. I, I'll take it. I will take it. Um, all right. Well, um, so that we have a few few left for, for next time, I'll do my last one, and then, then we can wrap up. Mm-hmm. Um, so my uh, final award uh, for the evening is the the best FU to the sophomore slump, <laughs> uh, even even though it's not her second book. It's her second book in the series. And that it goes, goes to uh, Wrong to Need You by Alicia Rye, yes. which is a book that even though it came out last year, I only read within the last few weeks uh, because I'm a dummy. Um, and so Wrong to Need You was the sequel to Hate to Want You. And then the third book in the series, um, which is called Hurts to Love You, is actually coming out in March. I was going to say this month, but it's not March yet. Yeah. Um, too fast. And I actually, fast. people, I mean, Hate to Want You was great. It was really, really good. But I actually liked Wrong to Need You even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alicia Rye has been writing books forever. So when I say sophomore slump, I just mean in this series, again, because we're making up the awards. And <laughs> so we get to do whatever we want. We can. Um, yeah, right? And I really, I liked um, that uh, Sadia, the hero, the heroine, um, she has these four sisters who she loves very much, but she kind of feels like a little bit 
other from them. Like they have these lives that are very different from hers and she's struggling a lot, but is having a really hard time asking anyone from help or for help. Mm -hmm. um, and then the hero Jackson is the brother of the heroine from uh, the first book and they're twins and they get along really well. But there's this really sort of great dynamic too between him and uh, the hero from the first book where there's a lot of sort of like contention there. And I really like that. I really like when um, an author takes someone who is a hero in one book and kind of, like, reminds you in the next book that, like, yeah, there's some things about this guy that are <laughs> great, but also they're not perfect. Right. Um, which uh, is actually a thing that happens in the Ruthie Knox books, too, which is um, a, apparently a, a catnip of mine. So, um, but it is. It's a really good sort of uh, rich family drama. Alicia Ride does a great job of kind of both angst and also humor mm -hmm. uh, that layers on top of it. And um, so, I don't know, I would say... Definitely read everything by Alicia Rye, but for the Best F.U. to the Sophomore Slump Award, read Wrong to Need You by Alicia Rye. I support that. I support this message. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, and we would actually love to hear what uh, random made-up awards you would give to all the books that you read in 2017. So um, let us know. You can send us uh, a note on you know, on Twitter or on Instagram, or um, I will actually stick our, uh, well, I'll stick mine. I don't want to speak for Jess. I'll stick my um, my email address too in the in the um, show notes so that you can send us those. If we get some good ones, maybe we can um, share those in one way or another. Uh, she can with stick everyone. mine there too. I promise. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness. So we'll have both. Uh, so you have, you have multiple options to let us know what crazy made up RT style awards you would give to the books that you read in 2017. Excellent. So, I don't know. All right. I think, I think we should probably wrap up. I think it might be that time. I think it is. Well, thank you to all of you who have been listening. Um, once again, let us know what your weird made-up uh, favorites of 2017 are or what your thoughts are on redemption. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. For me, Twitter, Jess is reading. Uh, Instagram, Jess underscore is underscore reading because the person without the underscores beat me to it. Uh, uh, so infuriating. Uh, <laughs> um, and I'm on Twitter at, uh, at Trisha underscore reads and on Instagram at, at Trisha Haley Brown, T-R-I-S-H-A-H-A-L-E-Y-B-R-O-W-N. Say that twelve right. times fast. Sounds yeah, I know. Right I was me. like, I'm not. I'm not. It's my name, and I'm not 100 percent sure I got it. But I don't know. Listen to last week's episode. I'm pretty sure it's right on that one. Excellent. All right. Thank you all for listening. We look forward to hearing from you. Enjoy your next couple weeks of romance reading, and yeah. we'll talk to you in a bit. Yeah, and thanks to PRH um, Audio for uh, sponsoring the show. And feel free to check out some books from them. In the meantime, happy reading. Happy reading. Bye.